Jesus, how great you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, man. As we're standing, we go to the word of the Lord tonight. Joshua, the first chapter. Man, start reading there. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance of land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Amen. The, the, the promises of God come to pass right here with Joshua. Amen. And so turn to a few people and greet them in the name of the Lord, and you may be seated today. After, after more than a year in the planning... The time had been whittled down to May of 1994, or 1944, but after even more revisions and additional plans, the day was pushed back another month to June of 1944, and it was there that Operation Overload would commence, where 160,000 troops would cross the English Channel overnight and land on the beaches of Normandy, France. And France had been conquered by the Germans in June of 1940. And the Allied forces had been planning an invasion back into France to begin an offensive attack to remove the Germans. But May, by May of 1944, 1.5 million American troops were settled in Britain, just across the waters, waiting for the time to cross. And everything had to be just right. Conditions had to be favorable in order to have some 5,000 ships and 1,200 planes cross this sea together. Good weather with a full moon, smooth seas, and with the high and low tides, they all had to be working together 
in order for them to go across. Not too much to ask for, right? Eisenhower had chosen June 5th as the day. So you can imagine the excitement around June 3rd and then June 4th is coming up. Everyone's getting excited for the day. The day that we have been waiting for has finally arrived. But on June 4th, bad weather had rolled in and they knew that the next day would not work with high winds and heavy seas. And so uh, the meteorologist said that uh, it, would, it should clear up by the next day. And so now Eisenhower said, well, we're going to go in on June 6th, 1944. And if for some reason that June 6th did not work, the next opportunity that they had figured out and planned would not be for another two weeks or so. And so if it wasn't June 6th, then it would have been in the middle of June, and if then, who knows when. And so, but as we all know, that June 6th ended up being the day, the day that the Allied forces crossed the English Channel and began the assault that would lead them to the world, lead them and the world to victory. And by August, over 2 million troops would have crossed over the channel to fight the enemy in the occupied territory. And you can imagine that all of the excitement, the zeal, all the passion and all the emotion of those past few years of planning. I mean, France was waiting for this day uh, since 1940 when they had been conquered. So it had been over four years that they had been under German control. And so they had been eagerly, eagerly waiting for the time to come. But all that excitement was compressed into a few short days. <clears throat> and the time was even less for the American troops because they, they were arriving just barely a, a month before it all began. But D-Day had changed the history of the world. And because once they, they crossed over... Things were never the same. There was no going back once they launched out. And it, it was time to reach forward and to take a hold of what lies ahead. Can you imagine what the day was like when Israel had reached the banks of the Jordan River again? That, that day is in our text where, where God speaks to Joshua and tells him, it is time that you cross over now. For nearly 40 years, Israel had been walking around in circles and in the wilderness, waiting for their day, waiting for their deliverance, and waiting for their chance to cross over the water and to begin to claim and conquer the land that was promised to them. 40 years of waiting. Well, it was a long and agonizing 40 years for, for two lonely people, Joshua and Caleb. Because 40 years earlier, they were there in the same spot, standing in the same sand, sifting beneath their feet. Joshua and Caleb were there. They were ready to cross over and ready to claim the promise that God had promised to them. But we know the story that Joshua and Caleb were ready, but the rest of the nation was not ready. 
They, they lacked their faith they, uh, to cross over. They couldn't believe enough to, to cross over the Jordan. They, they were so close, but yet uh, so far in their faith because they could not see uh, what God can do for them. Even after all that God had done for them, even after all that they had seen with their own eyes, the plagues of Egypt, the splitting of the Red Sea, the healing of the waters at Merah, the touching and gathering of this miracle man of food with their own hands, and even seeing water gushing out of a rock in the middle of a desert. All of this they had witnessed and they had experienced with their own eyes, and yet they did not have the faith to cross over the water and to claim what God had for them on the other side. Can I tell you that it doesn't matter how many miracles you have witnessed with your eyes, that's not going to get you into heaven. It doesn't matter how many great services that you've been to. Those are not going to get you into heaven. And don't get me wrong, I'm not downplaying miracles and I'm not discounting our services. What I'm saying is you're going to need more faith than that to help you cross over when the time comes. And service on Sunday... Uh, and every Sunday, hopefully that adds to your faith. But, but tomorrow, Friday, is a long ways from Sunday. And a lot of things can happen during the week. And, and, and the Sunday shivers always seem to wear off. And, and your faith can return to normal levels on Monday or Tuesday or, or whenever it may be. But unless you know how to walk by faith throughout the week, unless you know how to walk by faith with each new day, that you need to get a hold of God. And you need to get a fresh touch from God and a fresh outpouring of His Spirit and anointing in your life. Because just jumping from Sunday to Sunday is not always going to work out for you. Because that's what the Israelites did. They jumped from one miracle to the next and from one thing to another, watching God perform this miracle and do this for them and and jumping and jumping and jumping. Meanwhile, they weren't really walking by faith in between. It was just kind of hopping along. And when a time came for them to be at the the Jordan River, they, they didn't have enough faith. Because they, they, they weren't learning to walk by faith. When it came time to rise up and to, to cross over and begin to fight and to claim the promises of God, their, their last experience had been so long ago, and, and since they weren't walking by faith, that they didn't have the faith that they needed because it had been so long. And so they weren't able to claim what God had done for them and what he was going to do for them. They didn't have the faith to believe for tomorrow's promise, even though they had experienced many great services in their life and, and many miracles they had witnessed. But when it came down to it, they, they it comes down to each and every single day thing, not a, not a week-by-week thing, but a daily thing. we got to pick up our cross and, and follow him each and every day because that's where we learn to live by faith, and that's where we learn to to grab a hold of God as the day changes and our situations changes. Uh, We know how to get a hold of God, and that helps us to get through the day. Sure, Sundays are always the boost, you know, that gives us that extra boost, but if we're living from Sunday to Sunday, uh, like I said, a lot happens throughout the week, and Sundays don't always last very long. 
And, and because of their unbelief and their punishment and judgment from God was that they were to wander in the wilderness until everyone from that generation had died off. Everyone that was 20 and older had to die before God would permit them to come back into uh, where they were. And then God would lead them back to the banks of the Jordan and they would prepare for the invasion of the promised land. And that is where our text begins, uh, brings us to that moment of excitement that that day has finally arrived and uh, where uh, yesterday's living was going to be a thing of the past because tomorrow we're entering into the promised land and life is going to be so completely different than it was in the wilderness. Things would no longer be the same. And so because we're going into the promises where God has given to us and, and we've got to do what God wants us to do and it's not going to be the same as yesterday. And so our text, Joshua 1, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord had spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So in order for uh, Israel to be ready to cross over the Jordan and begin living in this new world, in a world full of the promises of God, they first, there first had to be a dying out. First has to be a dying out. This, this dying was symbolized with the death of Moses. Now, let me say here at the onset that it wasn't Moses' fault that Israel was not in the promised land. It wasn't Moses' fault. In fact, they would never have even made it to the Jordan River had Moses not stepped in and interceded on their behalf. They don't even know what happened. They were that close to being wiped out. But Moses stepped in and said, God, if you're going to wipe them out, uh, just go ahead and wipe me out too. Uh, he was going to do that and start over with Moses, and Moses said, no, uh, i got to be with my people. So there was, there was no one like Moses, no one like Moses. His, his walk with God, his experiences with God are yet to be found again in Scripture. He was, he was a one-of-a-kind kind of man. And, and so Israel did not cross over because of their own choices and their unbelief. Had nothing to do with Moses. Moses was trying to lead them there, uh, but they you can only lead a horse to water. You cannot make them drink. Uh, and so uh, Israel was led to the starting line, but yet they did not have the faith to step out and, and to begin that journey. And yet we are told that Moses didn't cross over either. And that too was because of his personal choice. Not that he would choose to stay on this side and, and skip out on the promised land. But we are told that because uh, Moses uh, struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, and the water, the water still came out, but God says because you smote it, you're not going to go into the promised land. And so uh, Israel did not go in because of their choices and unbelief, and Moses did not go in because of his choice. Uh, and so, but we are told that God did permit Moses to see the promised land, 
at least from afar off, upon some far distant mountaintop peak, he got to see see it. But, you know, you and I know that seeing something like that is not being there in the midst and holding the grapes and the fruit of it. But at least he got to see and catch a glimpse of it. But uh, Moses would die on this side of the river. He would die on this side of the wilderness side of the river. He died over there with all the unbelieving Israelites. Again, not to diminish Moses or not to say uh, Moses did not believe. He had more faith than all of them combined. Uh, But Moses, uh, that's just kind of how God said it was going to be. Moses was not going to cross over just like the Israelites. And so as disappointing as it might have been, to hear the words of God entering Moses' ear, ears that he would not enter, that he would not see it, he would not cross over. I don't think that Moses died of a broken heart. I'm sure he probably was saddened, but the promised land was not the end all of his faith. That wasn't the end for Moses because there was something even greater than the promised land that was waiting for Moses. A a land that wasn't flowing with milk and honey, but it had streets of gold and gates of pearl and a crystal sea. So so now I don't don't think Moses died depressed and disappointed. Uh, Moses knew that his treasure was not in this world. Moses of all people knew that this world was not his home. That he was just passing through. And Moses knew that uh, there was a place that was waiting for him. That as good as the promised land was, there is even a better place for him to go. And, And I think that you and I, sometimes we can have a little bit of trouble with that sometimes. I think we can can get too attached to this side. We can get too attached to this side. Too comfortable over here, and, and we're, we're here busy trying to build our lives and, and trying to make a, the best life we can uh, on this side of the river. And, and sometimes uh, maybe our yearning to live here is almost as great as our desire to be over there. I know that we know that heaven is great, and I know we all say we want to go there, and we all do. But it's, it, to be honest, it's hard to desire a place to go to a place that we've never been before, that we only kind of read about. All the while we're here in this side, and we, we know this side. We're, we're comfortable on this side, at least the best that we can get comfortable. Uh, we try to buy, you know, the memory foam stuff to help us be more comfortable on this side. Uh, uh, but uh, we're over here, and we're, we're in the now, and... and uh, we get attached to things over here. We get to feel them and see them and enjoy them and experience them. Uh, and yet what, a, what awaits for us on the other side, we know it's so much greater, but where, how much do we desire to go there? That means we have to leave here. A, a young minister was called to the bedside of an elderly woman who had obviously but a few hours left in this world. He admitted that he was badly frightened, but this old saint was completely relaxed and radiantly happy. He, he tried to be 
sympathetic to the best that he could with her, and he 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 muttered something out uh, and saying about how how sorry he was that she had to die, but she wouldn't hear any of his talk. Why, God bless you, young man," she said cheerfully. There's nothing to be scared about. I'm just going to cross over Jordan in a few minutes. And my father owns the land on both sides of the river. You see, when, when you understand who God is, and you have a relationship with him, and, and you're walking by faith, and, and you don't get too attached to the physical. It doesn't matter what side of the Jordan that you're on because God owns both sides. Moses wasn't dragging his feet as the angels were coming to carry him off to heaven saying, no, I want to stay here. I want to go to the promised land. No, Moses understood that the same God that I talked to down here on this side is the same God I'm going to be talking to and seeing over on the other side face to face. And that's the thing. It's not like the ownership changes. It's not like the owners change uh, or management changes when we die. You're living for God here, you get to see God over there. You live for the devil here, you guess what? You get to see the devil over there. The ownership doesn't change. So everything kind of stays the same except the scenery changes a little bit, actually a lot of bit. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, we don't need to worry about uh, uh, what goes on here. Uh, because we know that God is, he owns both sides of the river. He, he's in control over here in this world, and he's also in control in eternity. And so as long as we have a connection with Jesus Christ, he fills all space and time. And so if we're here with Jesus, that's great. If Jesus says, hey, it's time to cross over, okay, now I'm over there with you. It doesn't matter. The scenery shouldn't matter, should it? As long as we're with Jesus, we can be wherever we want, right? Sometimes we can be a little carnal, I guess, and we get attached to this place. We are here now 18 months into COVID, and it still doesn't seem like we're done with it. And uh, there have been many people of God that have died of COVID, even big-name preachers. But I, I don't think a single one of them are up there with God begging them to send him back. I, I God, I, I died before my time. I, I died on this side of the river, and I wanted to die on the other side in the promised land. You, you came and got me too soon. Do, do you really think that anyone is saying that? No way. But, but, but in the same breath, are, are we not kind of dragging our feet? It's like, oh, God, I, we want you to come, but I don't know. I don't know right now. I got some plans. I want to get that new car that's coming out. And so uh, uh, are, are we kind of dragging our feet with all this? Or are we allowing this, uh, this worldwide craziness to kind of paralyze us and we kind of walk around in, in the fear of it all? That, uh, th- that would be the case if we didn't really want to leave this world. Maybe we would be afraid. 
Uh, are we trying to hold on to this life? Uh, again, I'm not trying to make light of COVID or death, but the, the way that I see it is that my, my faith is in God and my trust is in God, not in man, not in this world, not in, not in the doctors of this world. And so if it's our time to go, then I trust God enough that he's going to take care of me or take care of my family or whatever, however it happens. God has personally brought me out of more, way more dangerous situations than COVID. And so uh, I know if God brought me out of all that crazy stuff, hey, if he wants to bring me out of this, that's great. If not, hey, guess what? Things are better for me on the other side, or better for anybody on the other side. So obviously God has got a plan and a purpose for our life, and, and whenever God is finished with us, then we get to go on to our reward. And so if I die on this side of Jordan with Moses, then, then I'm with Jesus. I'm not going to be upset uh, with someone else that gets to stay here and decides to go through the rapture. I'm not going to be upset if, if, if I die before the rapture and you get to go in it. I'm not going to be mad at you. Hopefully nobody would be mad because you're up there with heaven, with, with Jesus, right? Uh, and so what, was Moses upset that Joshua got to cross over and, and he didn't? I don't, I don't really think so. I can, I can see Moses telling Joshua, good luck with those stick-necked people. Stick people. I'm out of here. Don't cry for me, Joshua. I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm going to a better place. You get to deal with all them crazy people. I'm out of here. So, so before Israel could, could cross over into a greater dimension of living, and there had to be a dying out, and that was represented by uh, ultimately, the death of Moses. More than just a physical dying, as we had mentioned before, but there had to be a dying of their thinking and a dying of their thought process. They, they had to bury their old way of doing things, and they, they had to bury those thoughts of unbelief and fear. Thoughts of failure, and thoughts that, oh, we cannot do it, or thoughts that I, I just want to go back to where we were. I want to go back to Egypt. That kind of thinking and uh, is not going to get you very far where God's trying to take you across the way. Uh, your, your heart cannot be in Egypt if you're trying to invade the promised land. It's not going to work out uh, for you. You're not going to get very far if your mind is not made up and, and, and you're still... Uh, uh, fearful and unbelieving, and it's going to be hard to go into the promised land where God is trying to call us and bring us if, if our thinking is not right, if that dying uh, hasn't died out and been buried on the other side of the Jordan. Because Canaan, the promised land, is, is not heaven. I know we kind of symbolize it and, and you know, uh, uh, liken it unto it, but uh, Canaan, the promised land, was not heaven. Heaven, there's joy, peace, no suffering and pain and no death and all the, the, the greatest things we can ever imagine. But Canaan, the promised land, is full of giants, full of, of walled cities. And there's enemies of God all around him. And, and battles have to be waged and won. And so crossing over into the promises of God is not a, a trip to Disney World where it's all great times. If it's crossing over into the enemy's camp. That's where you're going. 
That's where the promises of God begin. That's where they are birthed, and that's where they are buried over there waiting for the people of God to rise up and to say, go, now's the time to claim the land. Now's the time to claim the promises of God and, and, and crossing over into the enemy's camp and, and drawing your sword and ready to attack and to cut them down. That's what it means to cross over. And if, if your mind is not right and if you're, if you haven't overcome fears and failures and doubts, and if you haven't buried them on, on the other side, then it's going to be a lot more difficult than what you imagined stepping into the promises of God. Because when we say promises of God, we're only focusing on the, the, the blessings and the good things and the, and the, the bountiful blessings of God. And, and yeah, they are there, but they're, they're not there like on the other side where you just stand there and wait for them and as soon as you cross over, there they are. They're there in the land, but you got to drive the enemy out. you got to fight and conquer the enemy. And there sits the promises. There sits the, the, the fruit and the, the milk and the honey that is, that is flowing, waiting for you to grab a hold of it. But we have to go, and you got to be willing to fight for it and conquer the land and, and drive out the enemy and, the, uh, and the, the darkness and allow the light of God to work in you and through you. And then you get to see the, the, the benefits. Then you get to reap the, the blessings of Almighty God and the promises come to pass. But it's not that they're, that, that they're just sitting there waiting for you on the other side. Because if you cross the Jordan and they're all just there waiting for you, you're not going to go any further, are you? But if there's one here and there's another there, there's more here, here, God knows what he's doing. God knows he doesn't answer all of our prayers right away. Otherwise, we, would we be here on Sunday? You know, we, we want everything answered on our time, but God knows uh, when to answer them and even if to answer them or not. Because uh, sometimes we don't ask uh, out of uh, the, the goodness of our heart, sometimes we're asking for selfish reasons. And our prayer requests could be selfish and they're not uh, aligned with what God's will and purpose. And so it doesn't mean everything is going to get answered. But if, if, if all we want is God's will, then we should be content no matter what, right? This side of the river or the other side. Musicians, if you would come. Joshua 1 and 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon... That I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And so we, we, we read that phrase, the sole of your foot shall tread upon. And uh, we just kind of take it at face value, as we do with a lot of things, just, just pulling the words right off and just interpreting them as we know them. Uh, that every place that I step, that God's going to give to me. And that's true, but it's not entirely true, because you need to understand the word tread, what that means. That the, the Hebrew word is darak, D-A-R-A-K. Uh, darak means to tread. It is used in the Israeli army today. Basically, it means march, to march. That means to tread. Uh, and so when you're marching... And you're walking, what are you doing? You're, you're marching with the intent that you're going to be fighting at some point. You're not just casually strolling or jaywalking or, 
or just kind of skipping along the sidewalk. No, when you're when you're treading, when you're marching, you're, you're you've got a purpose in mind. You've got a plan that hey, this is not the fun and game, but we're marching in a battle. We're we're in the Lord's army. We're mar- marching forward, and we got wherever we tread, wherever we march, we're ready to fight for. We're ready for die to die for that plan, that that plot of land. And so every place that you fight for, God will give you. You can't invade an enemy's territory and not expect to fight. Because the enemy is not going to give it up that easy. Because if it was just walking upon or or placing or just stepping upon the ground and it's yours, and the 160,000 allied troops that cross over on, on June 6th, as whenever their foot stepped upon the beaches of Normandy, boom, it's over. We're here. This is ours. That's not how it is. That's not how it is in the natural, and surely it's not how it is in the spiritual. Uh, and so every place that our, our foot treads upon, every place that we are willing to fight for, that we are willing to stand uh, with righteousness and stand with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, every place that we put the armor of God on and we're ready to fight for, God will give us that place of the ground that our feet treads upon. Why? Because we are not just standing there, we're not just walking there, but we're marching forward in victory, believing that we're going to conquer this land and that we're going to push back the forces of darkness. That's how we get the victory. That's how God gives us the, the territory and the ground is because we are there willing and ready to fight and to push back any forces of darkness. And so the devil knows that his time is short and he's, he's going to be fighting even harder now as his time is running out. But that still does not give us reason to fear because we know that we are on the winning side. We know that we have been given armor. We've been given everything that we have to, to, to battle, to fight this war uh, and to be victorious because we have God on our side. The Bible tells us if we submit ourselves to God, and resist the devil, he will flee from us. And so what do you think it means to resist the devil? Again, just kind of reading the words and kind of moving on, just resist the devil. Do we think that maybe the devil is going to offer us a, a poison piece of candy and we just say, no, thank you, I'm good, I resisted you, devil. Now you're going to go. No, re- resisting the devil it will, will not be giving in to his attacks. He's not, he's not going to just... Uh, be nice. The devil is a is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's a he's a thief. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. He's not going to play nice, and he's going to come after you. He's going to attack, and so we have to resist his attacks. Uh, attacks on our family. Attacks on our home. Uh, even attacks on our body, our our physical health, and even attacks on our mind. The devil does not play nice. And so resisting uh, the devil means you're going to have to stand against some attacks and, and, and take some uh, uh, beatings maybe uh, to some degree, uh, some, maybe suffers to some degree. We don't, we don't know how it works out, but uh, the devil does not play nice. Just ask Job. Job got to meet the devil face on, and uh, he wasn't very nice to Job. Because he was a righteous man, he hated him even more. Uh, and so I would say the devil is going to be meaner to you than he will be to some sinner out there. 
Why? Because he just despises the things of God and, and righteousness. And so if we're standing for God, he's going to come at us with, with everything that he's allowed to come at us at. Uh, but we have an assurance that no matter what the devil brings at us, no matter the attack, if we stand strong, if we resist him and, and we plead the blood against him and we speak the word of God against him, we know that he will flee from us, that he will not stick around, he will not stand before you because we have the victory and we have the promises of God and the assurance of his word that we are his people and he just needs us to stand and fight back and not to give in to the wiles of the devil. You stand with me tonight. Verse 5, there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide inheritance of the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or the left, thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And so God is telling him, Joshua, what I need you to do, what I need you to be, is I just need you to be strong and courageous. That's all I need you to be. I don't need you to figure it out for me. I've already got my battle plans ready. I've already got the attack plans ready. I don't need your opinion on things. I don't need your, uh, uh, your input on things. Joshua, I just need you to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I don't need you to be weak and worrisome, and I don't need you to be fearful and unbelieving, but I need you to be strong and very courageous. Because all those negative thoughts should have died on the other side. And if they are buried in your past and buried on that side of the river, leave them over there. Leave that, those things on the other side. Don't bring them over here to where I'm taking you. Because we don't need that kind of defeatist mentality where we're going. Where we going, we need to be strong and courageous. We don't need unbelief, but we need faith. We need to be full of faith where God has taken us because we're crossing over to where God is leading us to the promises of God. And, and that means we're going to be entering into the enemy's territory and pushing back against the enemy. And it's going to be a time, it's going to be a fight battle, but we know that we are victorious. Verse 8, this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and whatsoever, where, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. The third time in like four verses, he reminds Joshua. Just be strong, Joshua. Just be strong. Be courageous. Even though uh, you, if you're weak, use me. Lean upon me. Then you can be strong. Uh, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. And so God is preparing us individually 
And he's preparing us as a church to cross over into the promises of God. And we're going to break forth uh, into the promises of God. This, this renovation project, as you can see, is starting to come to a close. And, and once it's done, I believe it's time that we, apostolic praise, we're going to break forth like none other, none other before. That God is preparing us for revival and preparing us for those promises that he has for us. But we need to prepare ourselves for where God is taking us. And it's to a place where, where no man will be able to stand before us. And, and no devil will be able to stand against us. Because we're going to that place of dominion and authority that we believe you know, that God is fighting for us. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? Let's worship the Lord. Let's begin to march and declare the promises of God. They are yea and amen. And we're going to tread on the serpents and scorpions and over the enemy. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going forward in victory. Hallelujah, Jesus. We have the promises of God. Hallelujah. We have you on our side, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. You're all that we need. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus, in this day, Lord, to draw close to you. God, to find you, Lord, in our prayer closet. One experience to the other. We're really going to grab a hold of you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because we're going forward, Lord. Help us, Lord. 